0: Welcome friend to Godly Voice Notes, a podcast which explores how we can live holy lives as ordinary people called to live extraordinarily in Christ Jesus. May this be a sacred space of informal and rich conversation in which we fearlessly address gritty issues with sincerity, fun and practical application. I hope that together we grow, question and pray on this journey deeper into our God-given faith. And that through it, we are equipped to become more God-fearing, spirit-hungry, and biblically grounded. Welcome, Lydia. We're really excited to have you on the show today. Really excited that you are here to talk with me about sort of transitioning from the life of being a student to being a professional, how to live out those years well. Do you want to just start by maybe telling us why have you chosen that pseudonym today?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm very pleased to be here. I chose Lydia. There's, <laughs> there's two jokes in there really. One, Lydia is, she's the person that sprang to my mind when I thought about successful professionals in the Bible because she jumps out as someone who's I think off the top of my head, she's selling purple cloth Yeah, and she's clearly doing well for herself. And actually, while Paul's teaching, she's just, she's busy working on her business Mm -hmm. and I respect that. And the other joke is that I, uh, well, I took up knitting during lockdown. So I have been making my own fabrics, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, Although none of them have been purple so far. So Uh, Maybe that'll be your
0: next project. (laughs) I agree. Lydia is a really inspiring character, particularly as women, to see that historical character being so successful and she's so generous with what she has to the disciples mm. so how how have you found that transition from student to professional personally
1: that is a very good question I think that's for two things to say I found it really hard and it hasn't actually been linear uh, for right. me in the sense that there wasn't a moment that I stopped being a student picked up a full time job and sort of worked on, I suppose, to talk through, because I think it probably would help to set it in context. I I graduated from university. I've been studying history, which is the classic, makes you good for lots of things. But there's, there's no really obvious job path from that one. So I worked the church for a year, which was really great. And I picked up a job alongside that. So I kind of had quite a mixed year going on. And then I got a job and I really didn't enjoy it. I really did feel the whole time, I think, like I was heading in the wrong direction. Interesting. And I ended up studying again, which I think it wasn't a step backwards, but it obviously was a step into being a student again, but in quite a different Mm -hmm. setting. I picked up studying law and then I spent about two years on the conversion course and then the bar course. uh, And I am now back to working, but I actually have a little bit more training to go. So... I'm not sure when I can ever sort of fully say I'm not at all a student anymore. That's an interesting
0: journey and I guess a lot of people don't have typical journeys and you know some of our listeners won't have gone to university, won't have been students for a long time so I think it's helpful to hear how you've journeyed and actually having that mix of sort of student alongside professional you might have thought about it in a slightly different way than some of the rest of us so I think it'll be interesting to hear. What were the biggest challenges, do you think, when you did have to either step across to a sort of more professional role or step from professional back to student?
1: I think the first transition was definitely the hardest. And the biggest challenge for me, with hindsight, the problem was, I think, how I saw myself. Mm. At the time, it just kind of felt like losing all of the structure and the safety nets and all of kind of the life that I built for myself over yeah. the previous 3 years. That was really hard, and I think there was so much opportunity, but that almost became a bad thing because it felt like I had to make the right choice.
0: Mm.
1: And having so many things that were open to me actually made that a lot harder because there wasn't an obvious I'm aware this <laughs> this might not be something that you've experienced as much as a medical student maybe because there are less choices in terms of what you're likely to go on to do afterwards. But I think for humanities, you do end up with a huge range of choices, but no obvious good option. Yeah. I don't know how you found it.
0: Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that. As a medical student, I think the next step's really obvious because you go into what we call foundation training post and there's very little choice within that, but it almost de-skills you for making the next choice, which is, What do you do after you're a foundation doctor? Do you become a surgeon? Do you become a dermatologist? Do you become a GP? And you've got all these external things of people being outside of the field saying, oh, you do great in this, or you should do this. And I can definitely relate to what you're saying about that incredible pressure of making the right choice. And in fact, talking to people I admire the most in my field, often they haven't had a very linear journey, as you say. They've often made one choice, kind of felt they were going the wrong way, taken what some people would say a step back, but actually just taken a side step and said, no, I'm gonna try this or I'm gonna try that. So I find these people quite inspiring because it frees me because I'm like, oh, I can make the wrong choice and I can go back. But yeah, when you kind of see this very rigid structure of how you go forwards, if you step out of that, I think it can feel quite
1: scary. I think one of the most important things that I would encourage anyone to take from the first year or two post-university is within certain parameters, there is no wrong choice. Mm. If you end up in a job and you thought that you would love it and you don't, that is okay. It's not time wasted. Mm. You will be learning more than you know. And maybe most importantly, you've, you've learned something really important about yourself because sometimes learning what doesn't work is as important Absolutely. as learning what does. And that was probably the story of my first two years. Working for the church was slightly different, I think. It was something that I'd really wanted to do because I wanted to kind of give back mm. to the church that I'd been going to as a student that had really given me a lot. Yeah, And that was a really good next step. But what it did also do was delay the inevitable decision <laughs> for another year. Uh, and then I found myself having to do the same thing again. So I took a big risk and I, I moved city. I moved a long way away from most of the people that I know. And I took a job that was not brilliantly paid. Mm. <laughs> in a really interesting field, I ended up working in the arts for okay. a year. And I think going in, I thought, this is it. I've I've got it sorted Jobs in the arts are actually quite hard to come by, albeit I was actually working in the administration. And I thought, you know, this, this, I've got it sorted now. I am going to work in the arts for the rest of my life and I've nailed it. (laughs) It didn't turn out like that. I think the first few months I thought, I'm just settling into the job. Mm -hmm. It's okay. There's time. I'm sure that it will get better. Yeah. I was really bored (laughs) and I was really quite unhappy and as often happens i think a combination of being unhappy at work having quite a difficult time in my personal life and i just i couldn't work out what i had got wrong yeah and it took somebody at work saying to me like it was the most obvious thing in the world to them they said well obviously you are a bit overtrained for the job that you're doing and i just thought that there was something wrong with me as opposed to thinking actually this this job isn't it isn't making use of what I can do. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad job. And actually the person who took it after me was brilliant and it made really good use of her talents, but it was such a bad fit for me. (laughs) Yes, Uh, I can
0: definitely relate. I've, I've just come off of a 12 month job where it just, it didn't suit me. I didn't suit it. I felt very similar to you. Is it me? Is what I thought, you know, at first, oh, I'm just settling in and then, oh, it must be me. I don't know if I'm over generalizing, but I wonder if sometimes women blame themselves first before anything else. And therefore, you know, sometimes I think if you're a bit resilient, it can actually go against you because you stick at something for longer than you need and actually that word you used talents I find really helpful because there is a great story in the bible about the talents that are given to three people they get a different amount of talent they're supposed to go away and use it and come back and have they increased or have they decreased and their master will be pleased or not pleased with them I think as you say it takes risk to say these are talents I have from God I know that they're best used in a completely different field than I'm in. And I'm going to leave this field. And to the world, that looks ridiculous. You're in an arts job. And actually throwing all caution to the wind and saying, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go into something else is, you know, it's risky, but I think it's it takes a lot of courage.
1: And it can be awkward, I think, on a lot of levels. I remember having conversations with people where they're saying, oh, well, you know, you were so, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to go off and do this it can be very difficult to break pressure of other people's perception of you. Mm. Um, And I think, again, it comes back to, I'd basically just transferred (laughs) my identity as a student to, well, now I, I work for a a theater company as it was. Um, And that's, that's my identity and having the courage to say, that's, that's not who I am. Mm. but the next job also isn't whatever the next job is the next job also isn't who I am yes what I do for work is incredibly important to me it always has been but it's not who I am yeah Um, and I think that was the stage that the penny kind of drops and I started to realize actually
0: yeah
1: it's not who I am but it's what I do and that still matters And you're fighting,
0: you know, that very point, you're fighting a whole society and a whole culture that is when you go to a dinner party and you meet someone new, the first question is, what do you do? (laughs) And when you're introduced to someone, it's like, oh, this is X, Y, or Z. They're an engineer. They're a doctor. They're a cleaner. They're an administrator. You know, often it's almost our second name, our job. And therefore it's very difficult to disentangle yourself from that and hold it lightly and say... As you say, my my primary identity isn't in my job. Actually, for us, it's being a Christian. It's not always easy to sort of portray that to other people.
1: Absolutely. It was very freeing to realise that I didn't have to stick at this job and I didn't have to try and make it work. And I think again, you said about being resilient, there's a pressure to try and make the best of things. And you should. And I think also this conversation, it's a very different conversation depending on your financial position. Yeah. I think it'd be wrong of me not. To acknowledge that actually I did also have the financial s- stability mm. from my family to step back if I had to and say I don't have to keep this job on just for the income.
0: Yeah whereas that's not true uh, for everybody and they therefore that's part of their wisdom and their discernment to say actually I do need to stay in this job or what have you.
1: I mean even then I think I had not to that point had very much money from any of the jobs that I'd had mm-hmm. and that had been worry I wasn't living in a very cheap city I wasn't relatively very well paid and any decision around your career that that affects money can be difficult and I I really had to kind of talk my pride down a bit in terms of saying okay I might not be self-sufficient and I might have to deal with that as a sort of part of who I am actually is that I'm not currently supporting myself financially because if I don't have a job if I'm not going to keep this job on Mm. and I'm not going to immediately replace it with another job that's not I'm not going to have any income yeah it takes a great amount of humility to rely on
0: others (laughs) it's not easy
1: and I think taking that decision also affects how you see other people in that position I think in a really good way it definitely made me more compassionate and I think that particularly was quite important in terms of what I then went on to do so the next kind of step was deciding that I needed to go and retrain. Uh, and that meant moving city for funding. Moving city again. <laughs> I've done a lot of moving. We said, I think the first thing that happens when I get to heaven is I'm going to ask for all the posts that I've lost over the years <laughs> because I moved too much. I love that. <laughs> I'm so excited to get it all. It's going to be great. A lot of circulars. <laughs> but yes, I moved city again. And I think what was important was feeling like I wasn't starting from scratch. Mm. And to anyone who is thinking about retraining, it isn't going backwards. Mm-hmm. It isn't starting from scratch. It's taking everything that you have learned in your life to that point and pouring it into a new, really exciting direction.
0: Yes. For I me, that, that was law. I love that image. I, I did the same actually going into medicine. I did that late, later than most people. When I can definitely <laughs> relate to meeting certain people in your life and they, the way they talk about what you've decided to do it feels like you're going backwards or going back. But as you say, that image of saying, no, I have so much to give. I have so much life experience. And that definitely plays out. I've had people say to me, wow, you really understand things well, because you've gone through more. You've gone through more. You have more to bring.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah, I think as it happens, law actually really does lend itself to that. And you probably find that with medicine as well, I suspect. Yeah. Having had other jobs and particularly jobs where a lot of what I did was to do with finance and accounting and sort of business needs Mm. I was able to pick up a lot more of certain types of law very easily yeah and then it really came home I think when I was doing the bar course and I suddenly realized I was doing this course at the perfect time Mm. because I had actually I'd moved city again (laughs) because the bar course just isn't done in very many places. So it was was a case of having to move again. I have now stuck where I am. It's quite nice. It is good. I've I've kept all my posts the last few years. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) I've learned the names of my small group, which is a good start. But yes, the bar course meant that I could come at it with a more mature, balanced, healthy attitude than I think I would have done if I had done a law degree. Mm. And as it happened... I really felt through the whole studying process, I really felt kind of God in my corner. There was money, there was funding when I needed it. At around about my lowest, most miserable point, I got the news that I'd got a scholarship. And that was so incredible because I think it was just the boost that I needed to get Mm. going and really sort of back myself and going in this new direction. And then at various other points... Help was there when I needed it, and something that I never thought was particularly helpful, such as a really difficult term in the office back in one of the office jobs I'd had yeah. they were really interested in it at an interview, and i that was the interview that got me a job oh wow and it was a case I think of reframing what had been a really difficult few years as a time of growth and sowing seeds mm. and that doesn't necessarily mean that those two years. Became a fond memory, (laughs) or became in retrospect, it didn't remove any of the the choices I've made that, with hindsight, had been wrong, or maybe just the wrong thing at the time. Yeah, but it really it suddenly used them in Mm -hmm. a way that felt really from God. Yeah, your your change to medicine. I I don't know if that was sort of the same for you.
0: Well my change to medicine was not expected or planned, which for some people it is. Some people do graduate medicine, having sort of planned to do that prior to their first degree. I remember when I first really felt through prayer that that's where God was leading me. I brought it up with a friend who is a doctor and she just laughed at me and she said, you can't just decide you're going to do that. You have to have done work experience. You have to have done this, you have to have done that. And I basically opened up my CV and looked through it and some of the things that, similarly to you, I thought, why did I do that? You know, what 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 purpose does that have in my life? It's just something I did because it was fun or it was interesting at the time or was circumstantial, actually ended up being the very things that I needed and the very things that we discussed, as you say, at interview. And, you know, I don't want to give the impression that everything is just going to fall together, but it is amazing what God can use from your past, for the future. And I I think that's true of social situations. It's true of of relationships, things that you think, gosh, I really didn't perform well, or I really didn't honour God in that. If you honour him later, he can sort of bring it together somehow.
1: I think that's such a lovely way of looking at it, that ultimately God has the power to use any part of our lives for Mm -hmm. good. Awesome. So I have a question for you. In what you've talked about,
0: your journey has been very unusual, sort of gone all over the place. How did you hear God's voice through that? How did you seek his guidance? Did it feel like you were asking him or yeah, how did he play into that?
1: I think he played into it in two ways. There was quite often a strong internal sense of something being right or wrong and my needing to kind of... (laughs) I suppose in the in the secular world, you'd probably call it following your nose a little bit. And in this case, I get it's following the spirit, really, mm. and trying to be attuned to that. And if you get a very strong feeling about something, you can't explain that feeling, but the feeling's not going away. Oh, it's trusting the feeling. <laughs> and that can be really, really hard. But it, it is how I got here. And then I think also my parents have been incredible and very trusting when I turned around and said, maybe I'm not sure about this job. Maybe I'm I'm going to go and study some more <laughs> be some quite expensive courses. <laughs> and, and other Christians who have been so willing and able to keep me straight, but also mm. to support me when it's been needed. Mm. I think that, yeah, there's been sort of forces inside and out that have really helped. I think there's also been a lot of learning on my part. I kind of talked about identity and I think, there are a lot of things wrapped up together in our careers, so to speak, Mm. as Christians that we really have to wrestle with. And probably the biggest one is pride and what we root ourselves in. Mm. Because I've been aware, I guess, through the training as a barrister, that this is a more prestigious career, perhaps, than being an arts administrator. Mm. It's something that People are maybe a bit sort of (laughs) certainly I think relatives are probably a bit prouder to say they've got a lawyer in the family than someone who tallies up the receipts. I don't know. (laughs) But I am no more loved as I am Mm. in this career than I than I was before. Mm. That my identity hasn't changed, but what I do day to day has. And I think that's a really big learning point of my 20s and probably the biggest thing I'd say to try and bless anyone else in that position. And I'm aware at the moment in the pandemic, you know, whatever stage of this we happen to actually be at now. Mm. A lot of people are likely to not be in the job that they wanted to be in or the job they'd planned to be in or maybe no job at all. Mm. That's actually my situation right now. I'm waiting to start a job that starts a bit later this year, hopefully. (laughs) But I am currently actually back working in administration Mm. and it's not the most exciting job I've ever had. But it is nonetheless, it's where I'm working now. And it doesn't make me any less than I think that I'm not working in my chosen field at the moment. And actually, I've noticed in myself, maybe a more mature response to it, aged 26 than I was aged 22, 23. Mm. I can still serve God here. Mm. I can still bring all of my talent and experience that I have to date to this job even though it maybe isn't a job that stretches and challenges me and it isn't the job that I've trained for, Mm. but there are still experiences I can draw on in this waiting period. And I'd probably say that to anyone who's feeling like that at the moment. It may not be what you've planned to do and it may not be what you hope to do forever, Mm. but I guarantee you'll still have things that are helping you do it.
0: Yeah for sure that's really helpful to hear it actually reminds me of a verse that I think of a lot related to work and through the different seasons I've been in which is Colossians 3 verse 23 to 24 whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving and I was brought up in a family where we learned to have respect for people of every job level. You know, the role models that I had often were people who perhaps had quite a prestigious role, and yet they knew the cleaners' names at work. They, you know, knew the porters on the door of where they worked. And I saw that that was really, really valuable in terms of just having a really enjoyable work environment. But also when I became a Christian, I realized that's a really important value of God's that actually all people are valued. You know, Jesus came to die for all people, not just for lawyers and doctors. And actually in the kingdom of God, the last will be first and the first will be last. So those who are glorified here on earth it will be those who are in unglorified positions who will be held up before God and I can definitely relate to what you're talking about sort of the prestigiousness of being a barrister clearly it's similar in medicine and my family were laughing at me recently because I told them I'm on a dating app and I haven't put I'm a doctor I've said that I work in a hospital and they're just laughing so much because they were saying oh someone's gonna think you're like an administrator or whatever and I said well that's kind of what I want like I don't want that reaction of like, oh, doctor, you must be so clever, blah, blah, blah. Not that that's not really encouraging. And it's wonderful that those professions are held up. But sometimes it's just quite unhelpful. So yeah, I mean, I used to work as a receptionist. And I think I learned so much through that job that I use today in my work as a doctor. And um, it makes me really sad that some people don't appreciate those in different roles to them. And I, I think, that the church is a really helpful training ground for work because you learn to work as a body of Christ. Like some people will be doing the welcome, some people will be doing the preaching, some people will be serving tea and coffee, some people will work in the toddler's group. And actually as a body of Christ, we can't function without all of those people. And I think it's the same in the working world, just the perceptions are quite different.
1: Yeah, it's funny you said about receptionists. The day after I found out I'd passed my law conversion course, I was working as a cleaner in a hotel. And I mentioned it to my colleagues who were also cleaning, and they seemed—I think—they seemed surprised that those two things were both happening at the same time. <laughs> but actually, you never know when you're going to need money. Yeah. And I think—I mean, surely, if we've learned anything from the last year, it's that those jobs are the jobs that keep everything ticking. Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, How much more this year do people respect those who stack shelves or those who pick up our bins? Because actually, in the pandemic, the bankers are sat at home. I think it's actually quite nice to bring a bit of glory. When I see a shop worker with key workers on the back of their top, I just think, yeah, like you are a key worker. And I wonder if in God's kingdom, we'd all have key worker on the back of our top because we're all important in
1: his work. Absolutely. I think that's a wonderful way to look at it. And I think in the most wonderful churches I've visited, there is a real sense that who happens to have a microphone, a camera... Obviously it's role based, but it's kind of incidental in terms of who's actually the most useful and who who is serving in a in a way that can really bless the church.
0: And Jesus was the servant king. What's more paradoxical? You can't get lower really than a servant, and you can't really get higher than a king. So if that's our role model, how much more should we be respectful of the most menial and the most influential role?
1: Absolutely. And I suppose that has been such a big part of learning how to do your 20s well, is really changing your mindset and not getting a very secular mindset on the value Mm. of roles. Mm. Ultimately, when I settled on the job that I chose... I didn't choose it because of the money. Depending on how much time you spend on Twitter, you may or may not know that criminal barristers, which is specifically what I've trained for, aren't brilliantly paid. <laughs> Sadly. Also, I've been told it's not like suits, unfortunately. Um, you're not going to marry uh, Prince Harry? <laughs> oh, I think he's taken. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, but 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 even if you can't marry a prince, apparently you don't spend the whole day in glass walls, corner offices, eating expensive food. Apparently, oh, don't
0: worry. Being a doctor has no relation to any of the television shows. <laughs> it's not like everyone's sleeping together in the cupboards and George Clooney walking down the uh, corridor.
1: <laughs> I think at the moment I'm actually really glad to hear that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that was really helpful. Sort of talking about some of the challenges of transitioning from student to professional and some of the things you've learned it's really helpful to hear and obviously we have a lot of overlap there so we look forward to hearing more from you next week yes i'm very excited thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this podcast today i pray you've been inspired encouraged and challenged If so, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you know anyone else who you think would find it useful, then please share this with friends, families and your church groups. Feel free to contact us with any topic ideas or if you feel inspired to come on as a guest. Most importantly, go out this week and shine like stars for the Lord.